All right, we are back to podcast, and I hope everyone's had a good day in the Lord, and I'm thankful for all that God's done for us, a good time around His Word, appreciate our Sunday services, and uh, just how good they've been as of late, God's just blessed our church, and, and uh, everyone continue to pray for uh, folks to continue to feel better, and um Looking forward to a great day, great day, um, or close to a great day. Go to the book of John, chapter number one. John, chapter number one. The last time we got through verse 14, we didn't get very far at all. Um, we, we began to talk about John the Baptist and how John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means he preceded him. He prepared the way for him. Um, He prepared the hearts of people for him. So if you think about the way this would unfold, um, Jesus uh, was, was six months younger than John the Baptist. And for 400 years, 400 years from the close of Malachi, uh, we we don't hear anything from God. There's no books of the Bible written. There's no prophets. Uh, nothing. God is essentially silent. It's it's actually called the spiritual dark ages because you get nothing from God for 400 years. And then along comes a man that is uh, clothed with uh, camel hair and uh, he is eating locusts and wild honey out in the uh, the wilderness. He's a wild man. He is a loud preacher. He is proclaiming repent, repent, repent. And he, he has a, a large following. And he's six months prior to Jesus being on the scene. Then Jesus arrives on the scene and they, they come in contact with one another. And when they do, uh, of course, their cousins, John, John makes the proclamation uh, that that's him, that's the Messiah, that's to whom I'm preaching about. And that's where we come to our text, John 1 and verse 15. And so when, you, when you're looking at the Gospel of, or the book of John, Gospel of John, that is not John the Baptist, okay? They're two different people, John the Beloved, John the Apostle, and John the Baptist. John the Baptist is called John the Baptist because of his baptizing. He was John the Baptizer, and um, he he was immersing people. He was not sprinkling them. We know that from Scripture. That's the scriptural way of baptism. Sprinkling come along because a pope... From the Catholic Church or a a priest, um, actually a priest from the Catholic Church, um, he he was afraid of water. He was afraid of being immersed, and so he he came up with the sprinkling idea. Uh, But you must know the Catholic Church came along way after Christ and the disciples and the early apostles. Um, but anyway, that's a, that's another message for another day. But John was immersing people. 
upon their professions of faith. In fact, he told them they wanted John to baptize them. And he said, you bring me fruit, meat for repentance, and I'll baptize you. He said, I got to see repentance in your life before I ever baptize you. And we must we must drive that home. It's not about baptisms. It's not about uh, making sure we get them in the baptismal tank. It's it's more important to make sure we get them in Christ, and then we can get them in a baptismal tank or in a river or a creek or wherever there's enough water to immerse them. But we will not sprinkle. John one fifteen. John bear witness of him. So that's what John the Baptist did. He's bearing witness of Christ. And he cried. So this is a, his, his methods is, is loud. He is crying. That means he was loud when he, when he preaches his message. He cried saying, this was he of whom I spake. He that come after me is preferred before me for he was before me. So He's saying Christ was before him, and he, he, I'm his forerunner. Verse 16, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. That's good. That is a verse that I want, I want to teach on real quick. Verse 16, grace for grace. Now look at this. Of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. So what that means is, do you remember what I, I talked about the last time we, we, we were on podcast? Where the Bible says, He lighteth every man that cometh into the world. In other words, He, he gives every man enough light to believe. And when we respond affirmatively and positively to that light, he will ensure that we get more light. What is that? That is grace for grace. It's the grace of God that he gives you that light. It's the grace of God that he gives you more light. And he continues to give you grace until you're with him in heaven. He will give you grace throughout eternity. It's like the old songwriter, old Tom, Hay, all, uh, Tom Hayes wrote, all of grace is my story, all the way from earth to glory. There'll be new grace when it's my time to go. And it's, it's more grace, as James said. And so when God, when you were a child, when you were a young person, when you were a teenager, when you were a young adult, Whenever, or if you got saved when you were 40, along the way, give you grace. And he give you grace for grace. And the more grace uh, you would respond affirmatively and positively to, he would give you more grace. That's called grace for grace. Man, that's good. You talk about a great God and his grace given to us. Think about the graciousness of God. Grace is... is uh, getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And we've got grace for grace. Hallelujah. Verse 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth <coughs> came by Jesus Christ. So Moses had the law, which was truth, but it doesn't say he had grace. But we find now that 
Jesus Christ came in his fullness and he was full of grace and he was full of truth. Now, again, grace here in verse 17, it means undeserved kindness. Um, it doesn't mean that God has changed. It doesn't mean that he just passes over or overlooks sin. But when Jesus Christ dies on the cross, he bore the divine judgment for mankind's sins. Now, because of that, God could deal with us in grace, forgiving us when we do not deserve forgiveness. So that is what grace does for us. Now, verse 18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared, declared him. Now, Bible said no man has seen God. What does that mean? No man can see God because God is a spirit, right? We know God is a spirit. So you can't see him. However, however, Jesus Christ came in the fullness of God in grace and truth, and we see him, or they've seen him, and we'll see them both one day. Verse 19, and this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? I love this. I love this verse. Who art thou? So the religious community wanted to know a little bit more about this John the Baptist fella. They needed to know a little bit more about this guy out here drawing a crowd in the wilderness. Religious people are like that. Somebody starts getting attention uh, and, and people getting saved and God working. Religious people say, who is that? Go find out who that is. So they, they send the Levites to Jerusalem. They want to know, who art thou? Verse 19, verse 20. And he confessed and he denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So he's telling them, I'm, I'm not the Christ. They asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? That would be Elijah. And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. They, he, they thought he was Elijah because of his manner, because of the, the wildness, because of the rogueness that he had. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? Now, I love this. I love this. If you were to ask a modern preacher... What sayest thou of thou, thyself? What do you what do you got to say about yourself? Tell us about yourself. Tell us who you are. Tell us where you came from. Tell us what you're about. Tell us a little bit more about you. Oh, our modern day preachers, our modern day Christians, our modern day people take full advantage of that just to expound on the wonders of themselves. Talk more and more about themselves. So they come to John, and they say, What sayest thou of thyself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Watch his answer. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Just one. One of many. There's going to be many. There's going to be many. There's going to be many crying in the wilderness. There's going to be many preaching the gospel. There's going to be many witnessing the sinners. There's going to be many telling the story. John said, I'm just one. I'm just one. You don't need to know my name. You don't need to know who I am. 
and that's that's how I feel. I feel like I've always felt like that, to be honest with you. Even when I was young, I, and you know, the devil would tempt you with with making a name and so forth. But in my heart, all I've ever cared, I I don't care about popularity. I don't care about having the biggest building. I don't care about being the biggest church in town. I don't I don't I don't have any desire to do or to be any of that. I just want to be a voice. I just want to be a voice. Everybody's got a call. I'm not saying that someone that's, you know, has been called to have have a uh, you know, something else. I, I I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm telling you what my path is. And this ought to be the path of every one of us though. I just want to be a voice crying in the wilderness telling what the Word of God says and telling about Jesus Christ. That's it. That's that's all I want to be. It's all I've ever wanted to be. As far back as I can remember, when I was probably, before I even got saved, I mean, I remember being young, four years old, thinking preachers were the most fascinating individuals, fascinating messages, fascinating uh, role I've ever seen in my life as far back as I can remember. And that's that's how I feel today. Just one crying in the wilderness. But it doesn't have to be a preacher. It can be you. It can be anyone. Just be the voice. Be the voice. Verse number 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias. Okay, so that's Isaiah. So we got Elijah, they think he is, and he's now quoting Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. They, boy, you get used to them. They're going to be a nemesis throughout, <coughs> throughout our study. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then? If thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet. John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there standeth one among you, whom ye know not. He it is, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Betharba, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Okay? So, he says, I'm not the Christ. I'm not him. He's coming, though. And I'm here to tell you he's coming. I'm here to tell you he's on the way. You see that? It's so good. Now, he's got every opportunity here to make a name for himself, to be renowned, to be known. And he says, I'm not the Christ. He says, a matter of fact... I'm not even un, I'm not even worthy to bend down and unloose his shoe latchet. I'm not even worthy to touch his feet. Is how wonderful, holy, and lovely the one that's coming behind me is. Now remember, they're cousins; they're six months apart. So he knows who Jesus is, but he's he he hasn't been around him a whole lot. It's not like they've really grown up together a whole lot. But he knows who he is. So he's 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 preaching and proclaiming the message of Christ. Now verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, 
So now Jesus is coming to John. This is all part of God's providential plan. John's been preaching for six months. Now Jesus' earthly ministry is about to start. Okay, John's got a six months head, head start. He's the forerunner. He's the one paving the way. <clears throat> so now Jesus comes to him, and when Jesus begins to make his way to him, John saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Watch, this is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now stay with me. I'm going to, I'm going to read this and then I'm going to talk about it. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. That's the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove, coming on Christ at the baptism to to transcend and to typify the Spirit of God. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Okay, let's stop right there. Let's bring it up to where we are. So John 1, now remember, the book of John is written with Christians in mind. The book of John is written to present Christ as being God. The book of John is being written to uh, combat against philosophy. It's being written to combat against uh, all the agnosticism and, and trying to bring in mysticism in with with Christ and trying to bring in uh, Jew, Jewish law with Christ. It's trying to combat all of that. And so John 1 opens up, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So now we've come through, uh, we've come through uh, verse, or we come to verse number 28, all the way to verse 28, okay? I'm sorry, all the way to verse 34, all the way to verse 34, and it's built to this moment. And what John the Beloved, the writer, is doing and saying here is that I am building you up in chapter 1 to present Christ as being the Son of God and being equal with God and being God in the form of human flesh. And that's how I'm presenting him to you. That's how I'm showing him to you. So this thing has built. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And by the time we get to verse 34... Jesus is now on the scene, and John the Baptist has proclaimed him as being the Son of God. Not only has John the Baptist proclaimed him to be the Son of God, but Jesus himself is proclaiming to be the Son of God. But we got one step further. Remember what the Bible says in the law? Remember what the Bible says in the Old Testament, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established in other words, <clears throat> there needs to be two or three witnesses to establish truth. John the Baptist, God the Father, God the Holy Ghost, all conf confirm and affirm 
that Jesus is the Son of God. What do you mean? At the baptism of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist proclaims him Christ, the Son of God. The Father speaks down from heaven, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Right there's your two. And then the Holy Ghost comes in the form of a dove and confirms it. So at the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Two or three witnesses. You're not going to get a truer witness than God the Father and John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit confirming it. So on the scene in the very first chapter, in the very verse 34 verses in the New Testament or in John, we find that Christ is the Son of God. So everything that we'll read from this point forward we must understand that this has been established. He is the Son of God. So let's go to verse 35. I think we can get through this chapter. And again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. So John still proclaiming Jesus as being the Lamb of God. And the two disciples <coughs> heard him and speak, and they followed Jesus. So one of them, this is James and John, okay? Beautiful thing about, and this is John the Beloved, okay? One of the two disciples. That's the beautiful thing about John. John really never calls himself by name. He'll say the disciple whom Jesus loved or uh, that disciple or, or something like that, but he's always careful to follow the pattern set forth by John the Baptist that we don't make a lot of our, out of ourselves. Now again, how far of a difference is that than your modern day preacher? Your modern day preacher is typically out to make a name for themselves. They're, they've, uh, they're driven, they, they're, they want to make a name, they want to escalate to the next church and so forth, and that's not what you see in the Bible at all. Verse 38, Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? So they want to know where he lives. And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and he saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus uh, beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So you see Jesus picking these disciples off one by one by one by one. This is the calling of the disciples. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. And saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was at Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found of him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael saith unto him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said unto him, Come and see. That's one of my favorite verses too. So what do we see here? We see... The church, we see the disciples, we see the cause of Christ, we see the followers of Christ growing one by one as one is telling another and another, another one is telling another. Do you see how it's growing here? 
It's growing because of word of mouth. It's growing because of voices in the wilderness. John was one voice. Now here comes many voices. Hey, this is him. Hey, this is him. Philip, this is him. Nathaniel, this is him. Peter, this is him. Uh, James, this is him. John, this is him. That's how this is occurring. And Philip asked this question, or then Nathaniel asked this question. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That Man. <clears throat> that's like saying, Kevin, if you're listening, that's, can any good thing come out of Jackson Park? Can any good thing come out of Shady Brook and Midway? Can any good thing come out of Landis? Can any good thing come out of Albemarle? And think about where some of us are from. Where we hail from. Where our our lives are from where where we come out of think about that think about the situation you were born into and they think can you is, is he gonna make anything himself anything gonna come out of his life can any good thing come out of Canapolis? can any good thing come out of nazareth nazareth wasn't known for a lot of good things coming out of it and here's philip's answer Come and see. Come and see. You want to know how wonderful he is? Come and see how wonderful he is. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. He looks at him, and he says, Man, I don't see any guile. I don't. Uh, Jesus saw him, and he says, I don't see any bitterness. And Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. What Jesus is telling him there is, I'm God, I'm the Son of God, and I'm all-knowing, and I'm all-seeing, and I saw you before you ever got called. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? He said, That's all it's going to take to make you believe that I saw you under the fig tree? I mean, it could have been a coincidence. I could have just seen you. He said, That's all it's going to take. Watch. Watch what Jesus said. Thou shalt see greater things than these. Man, if that's all it took, took you just wait. You're getting ready to see some real good stuff. And he is. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? This is the call of these disciples. This is the call of these men. These It starts out with John the Baptist being a voice crying in the wilderness. And by the time this chapter is over, You've got disciple after disciple after disciple being a voice. And then this conversation, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And he says, you believe in me, Philip, you believe in me just because I saw you under the fig tree and I told you I seen you and I knew I was going to use you and I knew you were going to get saved. You, you, that could have been a coincidence. He said, Philip, you just wait. You just wait at all the things you're going to see. And and Philip don't know, but we do. And we're going to see 
the blind receive their sight. We're going to see the lame walk. We're going to see the deaf hear. We're going to see him walk on water. We're going to see him feed the 5,000. We know what he's going to see. And it's so exciting for Jesus to say, you think this was good? You just wait. And that's how I feel about serving Jesus. That's how I feel about being in love with Jesus. That's how I feel about having a relationship with Jesus. You think this is good? You just wait. He's the best and he's the dearest and he's the most wonderful thing that I've ever experienced. You think this is good? You just wait. That's our Jesus. This has been John chapter number one, the conclusion. Good night. God bless. I love each of you.